Layer by layer, day by day, the world, our markets, and your life unfold. Welcome to the Laminate Money Podcast, a show dedicated to exploring our world, the financial markets, and what it takes to build a great financial life. Both Tom Statham and Jacob Bradkey work for Fiel Capital, and all opinions expressed by Tom and Jacob or any podcast guest are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of Fiel Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Tom and Jacob are registered representatives of Sanctuary Securities and investment advisor representatives of Sanctuary Advisors. Fiel Capital is a DBA of Sanctuary Securities and Sanctuary Advisors. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Laminate Money Podcast. This is episode... 16. 16. The Sweet 16. Yeah, it's going to be spicy. This is going to be a good one. Uh, As we continue to improve, first of all, thank you to everyone who has listened. Um, We had our first 100 listen episode two weeks ago. Across all platforms. Across all platforms. That sounds so sad. I mean, for us, I mean, there's people like, yeah, whatever, we've got like a million downloads. Yeah, but we, this is episode 16, so I don't feel bad if we only got 100 plays. And last week it was, and a lot of that's on YouTube, which is pretty cool. Um, Yeah, yeah. it's like 50 per episode on YouTube. It's getting up there. Yep. So thank you, everyone. All all things to say, like we're super excited. Um, And also you've, um, each of you have given us some really good feedback too. So if you do have some feedback, um, we're going to try something a little bit new today. Um, right off the bat here, just on the more personal finance side, but yeah, thank you everyone. Yeah. And it's been great. We get emails, which is awesome. Yeah. People actually email us to the world's longest email that we created. Heck yeah. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. All right. So Jacob, do you want to tell us what the title of this episode is? Yeah. So I, I kind of came up with this after hearing all of these asset managers, they came into our office. I had zoom calls with them and they couldn't they couldn't come to consensus. They're all different. And so the title of this episode is, I think the inflation fight is over. Bum, that's, bum, bum. that's a dangerous title. You know, it's really, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but when there's just so much uncertainty, it really just feels like things are at least coming to a close. I'm kind of with you on that one. Yeah. Full send. Full send. So, I mean, I, yeah, that, that's the title. So um, we're going to hop into it. So the first thing we're going to do this week, rather than going straight in the good, the bad, the ugly, and the head scratcher, um, we're just going to answer a question that we, we get throughout working here. So if there's anything that we know is, you know, people, people are like, what do you actually do? So, um, the question we're going to ask today is, you know, what do you, what do you do with extra cash? Particularly right now, I was having lunch with somebody yesterday. It is Tuesday and they're sitting on a sizable amount of cash. Uh, we come across people who have a lot of cash, or even if it's not a lot of cash, that they have extra, let's just call it extra. Like, what do you do with extra cash? That's what we're going to talk about for a few minutes here. Um, First of all, Krista, what would you do with extra cash right now? That's a great question. Because I could, like, in theory, I would say I would do X, Y, and Z. When I actually watch my behavior, I'm like, dang, I spend my money. Okay. It's not good. So I have to put it in a high-yield savings account so I don't touch it, like, out of sight, out of mind. Because I got a huge check come in and I was like, sheesh, what do I do? Started spending it and Dude, I was like, Chris it's got to st- go away. Chris is stacking cash. Stacking cash. Stacking cash. In the high yield savings account. All right. Those are crisp. Those are crisp. Jay Radke, what'd you do? What uh, would you do? You know, I, uh, I, ha- I have a saving strategy. It's like 50% of my income. I'm, I'm pretty bullish on being able to save that. I don't know how it happened, but all of a sudden it's happening. Anyway, it's basically just dollar cost averaging. That's what I do. I'm just 
getting into the market as fast as I can, especially when valuations are down. Yes. Right. Not saying that it's not going to be volatile going forward, but like, that's what I'm doing. So people who have extra cash, there's a couple different reasons why people have extra cash. I would say a lot of people that have extra cash, they don't have a strategy Mm -hmm. for their money. So we come across a lot of people who start making, you know, decent money. They're probably in their like, you know, 30s, early 30s, let's call it. And they, they get to the point, they're like, hmm, wow, we've like, we're making more like we've like, we've been putting money in retirement and all of a sudden they, they're like, we need, we, we need help. So I think, first of all, if you have extra cash, um, it can be a sign that you haven't had really like a plan to steer your money in different directions. Yeah. Well, I, I would disagree with that. I mean, I think you're right, but I think also, I, think right too. <clears throat> I would on the other side of the non-financial side of it, I would say that it's not that people don't have a plan necessarily. I think that there's so much going on and it's how do you manage your mortgage? How do you manage going back to school? How do you manage your kids? How do you, and so people might have a plan, but how to get there, I think could be. I, I think people have plans in their heads, but, but where a lot of times, like when I see extra cash is like, they just, they just don't know what to do. Like, well, well what do I, what do I do with it? Right. And I mean, I've talked to people who have spent years and years and years just sitting in cash. So what to do with extra cash is, first of all, know it's probably a proxy where there's some disconnect in your financial life. So what you ideally want to do is you want to have a plan for every dollar. You're like, ooh, that sounds crazy. But it doesn't really have to be that crazy. Oftentimes, it's just an automatic contribution away from moving it from your high yield savings account to, let's call it, uh, an investment account. So. Mm-hmm. You know, what we would say is, okay, you got 50 grand in your, in your savings account. You don't know what to do with it. You know, first things, you know, figure out how you want to, you know, build wealth. You can either buy a rental property. You can, you know, you can buy whatever you want. Let's just say, you know, pretty conservative ways, just open up a joint uh, account with your, you know, your spouse or partner, whatever. And then just have an automatic contribution or just, you know, drop a bunch of that in there because the secret here, all of the big money in the world is not in an IRA. They're just in big investment accounts. Yep. Big old taxable accounts. Big old taxable accounts. So anyways, extra cash. That's what would be. But first thing, kind of the hot take here though, is like, it's usually um, symbolic of not really having a plan for what you do with extra money, which um, there's no shame in that, but that's uh, something we've noticed helping lots and lots of families. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have jobs. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Quite. Quite literally. So yes, I, and I had this conversation literally with somebody yesterday. So um, anyways, all right, let's move on. So the good, the bad, the comical, and the head scratcher of the week. Jacob, I love your head scratcher, but let's start with the good. All right. So this is an easy one because it's inflation, right? So inflation came out last Thursday, 6.5%, just I think a hair above consensus. Actually, maybe it was right at consensus. Either way, markets didn't care. It was pretty much a consensus. The good thing about it is everything's declining except for one thing, shelter. And eggs. And, okay, well, and eggs. I guess you can get down into the nitty-gritty and find stuff that's still rising. Anyway, the broad, like, baskets of CPI, the only thing that's really still rising at a, like, out-of-control pace is shelter. Yeah. And shelter is the most lagged variable, and it takes up a huge weighting in the CPI. And so you see, like, more real-time estimates, and I've talked about this a thousand times, that shows that shelter costs are falling. Mm-hmm. And like that's the good thing to me. It's like everything else is falling. The only thing that's propping up the service section of the CPI is 
housing. Yep. And that real-time variable is actually somewhat falling. So inflation has to be falling faster than the numbers, the lagging data suggests. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So just to make sure I'm understanding correctly, inflation isn't completely stopping. Inflation is still like prices are still increasing. Yeah. The, what is it? The time that it's growing at is not as, how would you even say that? I don't even know. I mean, it's still inflation stuff is still going off at like, you know, historically, well, not historically speaking, it's stuff is still going up. It's just the rate is going, the rate of growth is going, is going down. That was the word that I was looking for. Yeah. The rate of growth and the shelter thing, you know, real estate typically lags quite a bit. So again, common question, you know, should I buy a house? Should I buy, you know, an investment property right now? Um, you know, kind of telling people the, if it's a good deal, it's a good deal. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, by and large, I think there's still some um, blood on the street that needs to happen in the real estate market. Yeah, there's some interesting things month over month in the December CPI print. So fuel oil fell 16.5% month over month. Wow. That was one of the fastest growing ones last year. Um, gasoline, nearly 10%, and just energy commodities broadly, 10%. Yeah. Crazy. And so some of these things are just fought. And used cars and trucks, that was a booming market. That thing fell 3% month over month. And I think year over year, it's like, I think it's down even more. Um, the car so, market, I've been following the car market a little bit. Um, again, all these kind of random things I do on the weekend. But I was, I was reading about, uh, you know, the used car markets and, 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 you know, what's happening there. And that is falling like a crazy. Rock. Yeah. Yeah. And th- there's a ton of cars. Um, dealers can't get rid of them. And yeah, there's a lot of inventory swelling up. And then the whole Tesla thing, Teslas are now cheaper than Toyotas. Isn't that crazy? There yeah. you have it, people. You think like EVs and Teslas, oh, that's a premium car, right? You get it, like, it's premium. But no, it's cheaper than what you can get, like, probably what a, what a Camry. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. yeah. Your Toyota Camry is more expensive than your Tesla Model Y. I mean, you can make your Tesla Model Y more expensive, but the base models. The base models. And, and yeah. Elon Musk cut the, or, or like with the incentive, the tax credit, um, is a $21,000 decrease yeah that is disinflationary like that is crazy so all things to say inflation is is falling but there's all sorts of like these um bullwhip effects that we're seeing in the real economy so again we're having a fabulous year em em stocks are up like seven and a half percent this year Mm -hmm. uh you know russell 1000 small caps are up a lot this year um so there's definitely some there's some light at the end of the tunnel but in the real economy there's some issues. Yeah. Actually, on, on the performance, the, uh, of the indices I track, so like the dollar index, the major like Russells and, and stuff like that, the, emer- the emerging and the developed um, indices, the only one that's down is the dollar index, down like a percent on the year. Mean reversion. Mean reversion. Oh, and, and some of those yes. international ones are up like 8, 10% yeah. on the year. So 17 days. Ah, oh, that's Not crazy. even trading days. That's that are just 17 calendar days. That's crazy. Crazy. All right. So the bad. Um, I was, uh, again, in preparation, Jacob, Jacob really does the show notes and then Chris and I come back and trying to be smart. I was watching a video independently of knowing we we're going to talk about this. Guess how many inches of snow, uh, mammoth, like mammoth, Lake, like in the air, like uh, ski resort, mammoth, California, guess how many inches of snow they have your, uh, this, this season, mm, 12, 12 inches. I don't know. Yeah. No okay. idea. I have no, like, what do they usually get on average? Can we know that? I mean, I'll just okay, tell I'll you. Okay, I'll guess so 18. We're just going to forget that you guys said that. 
Um, 400 <laughs> inches of snow. Okay, that seems what? more realistic. Yeah. They've gotten 400 inches of snow. So, How is that even possible? I don't know. The mountains get probably that much. The Rocky yeah, Mountains like probably the, get it. Dang. Um, I, yeah. figured, I figured California would be more drought-like where it just wouldn't yeah. have that much. But yeah, they're, anyway. they're getting an enormous amount of snow and it's middle of January. So, um, you know, uh, the, the water situation in the Southwest in the coast is obviously pretty, pretty rough, but, um, we're chalking up that to the bad. Well, and this uh, is the, another interesting thing on that. They've gotten all this rain and snow and stuff, and they're still in drought conditions on, cause like the way that you calculate a drought is like how many inches per year or whatever the a rolling period. I don't, I, I'm not exactly sure, but it's on inches. And they haven't actually gotten enough inches of rain, like precipitation, to be out of a drought. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, crazy. It's weird. So they're they're having like historic snowfalls. Um, the, the reservoirs are they definitely are filling. you know filling up, which yeah. is really really good. Um, because there's a lot of people. Um, and again, California. If California was its own country, it would be uh, GDP. I believe would be the size of France. So mm -hmm. uh, California is a really important place for our for our country. Um, all right, co the comical. This is funny. Um. The big guys can't seem to agree on inflation in the economy. Ooh, is this ever true? This is ever true. So of those asset management meetings that I had last week, Wisdom Tree was at 2% inflation by June. All right, so that's crazy. That's like All I gotta way, say is LOL. way below consensus. Like that's nobody's thinking that's going to happen. And then you have JP Morgan on the other end of the spectrum that says the Fed's going to have to raise rates in the fall because inflation is still too high. That's J.P. Morgan. It's J.P. Morgan. They well, said, they're pretty. They're pretty. Uh, as Bill put it, schizophrenic. They have very differing opinions within the organization. Okay, I could see that. Um, but that's what he was telling me that there's people that are calling for rates being raised in the fall on higher inflation. I'm so like, okay, this happened. Uh, I think I read this over the weekend. Jamie Dimon was walking back his comment about storms, cloud, the hurricane, the, the hurricane. So Jamie Dimon famously, uh, who's the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, um, you know, probably the most, yeah, he's definitely the most influential banker in our country. And he said at the end of uh, Q4 that storm clouds, he was watching storms cloud, storm clouds uh, form economically speaking. And he just came out and said, he's like, yeah, I think that was maybe taking a little out of context. Right. Or it was, a, I was a little more, you know, you know freaking out at that moment so that was pretty cool and we'll get into that a little bit more because i put that in all of these big banks reported last week their earnings mm -hmm. and we'll talk about why that's a little bit more important than for the economy yes yeah. for sure so uh, anyways the I, I guess just some backstory too you know fiel we have um you know organizations just colleagues all around the country uh you know one of jacob's job is to be um, to have relationships with the top 25 asset management companies in the country and we just want to offer our clients the absolute best. And so part of that is just, you know, hopping on the phone, getting in, sitting in meetings, um, you know, sometimes going places physically to, you know, to get the best thoughts. And what's crazy too, a lot of these people disagree with each other. A lot of these people do, and especially when uncertainty is high. Yes. Yeah. Crazy. Which I think why, why 2023 is going to be a hard but a really fun year from an investment perspective. I'm excited mm -hmm. for this year. Mm -hmm. It's definitely a reset. Love it. All right. Head scratch for the week. Who's going to take this one? I, I can take this one um, because it's a little bit uh, of a misleading section title here. I'm not going to say what we have it in our show notes. But anyway, there was this post by All Star Charts um, and the title of it was everything is up in a bull in this bull market. So 
basically the case he was making is that in 2021, the large caps is what drove the index higher, right? The Apples and the Microsofts, the Google, the Meta, all these companies, they did great. And then the smaller companies, they didn't exactly outperform the large companies. Now this year, you're starting to see some sort of, or I guess I should say 2022, you're seeing a reversion where the large cap companies kind of took a hit and there was some resistance on the smaller side. Smaller cap companies didn't do so bad. And then they all bottomed on an equally weighted basis in June. So equally weighted indexes, like Apple gets the same weight as the smallest company in the index, right? Um, And then from that, you've actually seen like a 20% rally in like communications and cyclicals and, and all these companies. So that's the point he was trying to make is like, this is a bull market because there are more stocks going up than down. It's like, okay, interesting. Yeah. Since uh, June, since, since the bottom. June. Yeah. Miriam Bartels, uh, the CIO at Sanctuary, uh, one of our partner firms, she's totally on that train too. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, like we're actually in a bull market. Um, it just doesn't look, I think when people think of bull markets and to our listeners out there, this is just a warning. Um, the markets have changed. Mm-hmm. And the the what's performing well is different than what it was in this in this past cycle, and you know she was you know just pounding the table on the energy, energy. Yeah, she was like, you guys, how can this be a bear market when you know you have you know pockets of the market are just ripping? So mm-hmm. people have totally they've they think of bull markets and they think of tech, right? And that worked for ten years. And it might not work. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's not working right now. So or it might not outperform to the extent that it has. It might underperform other indexes or under un, under other sectors anyway. Yes. Um, which is crazy. And the energy thing, I think this is a while ago that I was reading on this, that the energy sector on a valuation basis is lower still after its performance than like historical averages. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Yes. Which you would almost think like institutions have to be readopting energy into their portfolios where they're kind of over the last decade or two, they're like, okay, let's cut energy because there's really not a future there. The ESG mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just stuff like that, the, the policy against energy or oil and gas, I should say, where it's like, all right, maybe it's uninvestable. Maybe we shouldn't really have that in our portfolios, long-term portfolios. Now they're like, energy is really important and these are the ones that are supplying it. We need to start reincorporating that, especially after a year of 100% performance. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting about the EV market, because that's obviously oil and gas, what do you do? You will buy an electric car. Um, you know, because there's almost parity between, um, you know, called ICE, internal uh, combustion engines and, mm-hmm. and EVs, um, what's actually weird is like, because electricity has gone up so much, like there's, you know, it actually, the cost to charge your vehicle is not nominal anymore. Right. So, yeah, there's kind of all these weird things that are playing out in, in real time here. It's like, well, you know, gas is still expensive, but so is electricity. Right. Everything's you know? expensive. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, um, so are we actually in a bull market? Yes you know, and no. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yes, yeah. yes and no. So, but I think that that is exactly why this year is going to be fun from an investing perspective. Right. Is there's there's diversions of opinion and if you're good, you're gonna be it's gonna pay dividends. Yeah. And on that, actually real quick, active managers in twenty twenty two outperformed the market. They were still down, but they outperformed for the first time in like fifteen years or yeah, ten, 10 years or something. Year. Yeah. Which makes sense when you just underweight Apple and overweight something that's not Apple. It's like there you have it. There you have it. Yeah. Yeah. Love it.
All right. So um, last week, lots happened last week, but uh, let's recap to our listeners high level. What was important about last week? This was interesting. I actually saw a TikTok about this um, last like Monday or Tuesday or something that they figure out like this is interesting. Roman structures, like think of the Colosseum and all these pillars and stuff like that. Like how have those lasted for 2000 years? Yet we can't figure out how to make a road or a highway last for like, you know, 30 years. Yeah, something like that, whatever. Like, how is that possible? And actually, they figured this out. I don't know if it was last week, but it's recently at the very least. And basically, Roman concrete is self-healing because they have giant, like they mixed in giant limestone, like rocks inside of the concrete. Not like huge, huge, but whatever. When water hits that, it forms calcium carbonate that is like a, a crystal or whatever that fills in the cracks and heals itself. Interesting. And so obviously this is very expensive to implement on a road because you also need ash and stuff like that for calcium and whatever. Yeah. But anyway, they figured it out. And who knows, maybe 20 years down the line, we all have Roman concrete roads wow that are self-healing jacob and i were talking about starting a business we were importing lime for concrete i will tell you um right now there's some metros that it costs a billion dollars a mile oh we know we're like startup cost for that would be insane like we could not do it yeah but they don't even have the mixture for it so So they're gonna have to invent that and then learn how to distribute it and stuff so do you guys want to know something else yeah uh there's a sand shortage in the world so Mm. yeah are you and, serious? Yeah. And, but it's like not the sand that you would think, but like sand that's actually used for concrete. So like the sand, you're like, well, what about the Sahara Desert? It's like that sand is like because it rolls over itself, like the sand is really round. Oh. So it's not very good for actually doing anything commercially because it's so fine mm-hmm. and like it doesn't really clump together very well. So some of these uh, like like uh, Middle East or um, probably more so like Saudi and the Saudi Peninsula, they actually import sand because they're like the, uh, they're desert. So all things to say, there's a, a very real issue of like how to construct the world with concrete. No kidding. Because it doesn't last, the infrastructure doesn't last very long. And then you just have some weird things like that. Where it's like, well, can't you ship a bunch of sand from, you know, Tunisia? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, like that you can't make uh, structures out of that. So. Anyways, infrastructure, crazy But the problem with this that's, like, different is you have to mix it with warm water, and if there's not enough water, then it can't heal itself. So we're like, not all states in America could have this for concrete. Well, and even if it doesn't rain enough, it can't They wouldn't be able to use it. Right? Like, if you're in California and you're in a drought for 90% of the year, it's not going to self-heal. Yeah. So, anyway. Anyways. That's an interesting thing. All right. Little bunny trail. Big banks. So, this is what I was talking about. J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley today, those, t- those two were today. Uh, City, like Wells, all reported earnings last week. And the reason why this is important is because they, they have a very direct inside lens to how the consumer is feeling, right? Yeah. Like Chase, the Chase banks and stuff like that. They know what the balances are. They know like how people are drawing. They know how much people are using credit. All this stuff, they, they know it all. And they said... Like, as you said, Jamie Bim- like Diamond walked back on his, like, economic hurricane. He was, like, probably going to be a little bit more mild. The, ac- the consumer is very strong. Um, Citibank said the same thing. Wells said the same thing. Morgan Stanley said the same thing. Uh, Goldman Sachs said the same thing. They're all saying, 
mild recession. Actually, Goldman Sachs says no recession, but they're kind of contrarian to the rest of them. But anyway, they're all like huh. mild to no recession in 2023. And they just keep pushing it back. They're like, we know it's coming, right? Like, we really think that it's coming, but they don't know exactly when. They don't think it'll be 2023. Really? Yeah. We're, I don't, at least it, maybe in the back half or something like that. But they're like, these, the consumer is way too strong yeah. as it stands today. So here's how I think this is going to play out. So like a technical recession is, you know, two, two quarters of contracting growth. You know, we might just have like these um, up, down, up, down, up, down. Mm-hmm. you know, GDP quarters, even if it's like very, very nominal. But um, I think from from us as, you know, you know, managers of capital and, you know, helping families plan, the, like, as long as it's growing, you know, yeah. like, as long as if, if the economy is going in the right direction, like, if we don't have this booming, you know, because it might not boom, the economy might not boom after this. You know, it could just be like, it could just go up a little bit, but I bet you that's what they're thinking. Like, if you're actually pinning these guys against the wall and like, okay, take out all of the jargon. Yeah. It's like, do you think it's going to go up and down and up and down just a tiny, tiny little bit to avoid an actual recession? Right. And it very well could. The Atlanta Fed says the fourth quarter GDP number is going to be 4.1%. Wow. Which, that should be coming out relatively soon. Yes. So this data should be pretty well correlated with what the actual one should be mm-hmm. at this point just because it's so close to the end of it anyway i don't know 4.1 percent is wild so for transparency we also did say that like when we had q3 gdp numbers come out um and you know we're like this is going to perfectly set us up for a recession for like a recession mm-hmm. um but it sounds like even if we do have some contraction, which it sounds like we might not have contraction yeah. from a GDP perspective, um, I guess, okay. So Jacob and I were kind of like thinking out loud here. Um, for all you guys listening, I think what we're, what we're saying is, um, I think just slow growth. Yeah. Like that's probably where we're going to be at from an economy perspective. How that translates into the equity markets, honestly, who knows? Um, but we know what sectors are doing well. And we know that um, even with uh, even as simple as something as simple as dollar mean reversion, right? So like yeah. the dollar going down in value, that's going to have some tailwinds. Yeah, um, in certain Which, sectors. On the growth forecast, the World Bank changed their tune. They dropped it again. They said I think it's one point seven percent now. Which if that's the realized growth in I think for twenty twenty three, that'll be the slowest world growth in er, in three decades. Um only overshadowed by 2009 and 2020. So it'll be the third worst. Third worst? The third worst growth, 1.7% world growth, um, which is kind of wild. It's like these banks are saying, no, 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 it's not bad. And yeah. then you have the World Bank that's saying, oh, it's, it's pretty bad, it's getting worse, right? And it's mainly on like Ukraine, China. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff is really inhibiting their own forecast. They're saying that's going to slow us down. So what yeah. this means, there, there's a rewriting on the, on the geopolitical uh, front. So I'm going to hop to, to point e. e on our show notes here. Sorry, everyone. We've, we've got, we're, we're organized. Um, China's population declined for the first time in 60 years. So um, on the world stage, there's so much going on behind the, behind the scenes as, as politicians, business leaders figure out what does this look like? Like, you know, Russia just you invaded Ukraine. What does yeah. that look like? There was massive Iranian protests. Um, you know, Brazilian's government 
um, you know, had a basically had almost a it was an attempted coup. So um, there's clearly some destabilizing that's happening in the you know in the you know on the world stage. Then you have you know Jamie Diamond saying like, yeah, I think we're probably going to be okay. Yeah. So I, I think there's going to be some divergence here um, in the in the really the powerful economies that can really skate through this stuff, and then the the you know the destabilizing. And, you know, you can say like, oh, well, Tom, you know, you've got social issues here, you know, left, right, whatever you are like, oh, you know, our country's going to blah, blah, blah. We hear that a lot as well. But we, we're not going to talk about that on this podcast, but we field a lot of questions about mm-hmm. politics and money. Um, but with that being said, America is still America. And, you know, the fact that like China's population is declining, like, you know, kind of tax base you have to have, you know, to 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 deal with their demographics. So. Um, if you think you know what's going on in the world, and I'm telling this myself too, it is far, far more. The world is too hard to know. It's too big. It's way too big. Yeah. So stay diversified. That's right. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> that's the key of that whole thing. Stay the, diversified. The whole thing because, is stay diversified. Yeah. Because meanwhile, so China's population declined for the first time, but they just kind of opened up their borders in the last two weeks to yeah. invest. Yeah, which is wild. They're kind of like we need we need some growth. We here. need capital. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We need capital. So, anyways, well, will China turn into Japan? Because Japan has been declining a half half a percent every year for like <laughs> yeah. the last three, four, or five years, and you know a little bit slower pace before yeah. that, but still declining. Yeah, the elder industry, the elder care industry, um, or, or or elder daycare is bigger than child daycare in Japan. Wait, okay. Oh, 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 I see what really? you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's so like nursing homes are bigger than. No, they're not nursing homes. Like, like daycare for old people. Right. Which is kind of so, like a nursing home. That sounds because like Because most people in Asia don't like, like put their parents in nursing homes. Yeah. So I, that would make sense if they have to go to work then yeah. their elderly parent probably can't stay by themselves. Yep. Hmm. Well, dang. That is fascinating. Yeah. Demographics. It's everything. I wonder if China's going to change their one kid policy. Oh, they've done it. Yeah. They yeah. Did they? It. Oh, yeah. When did that happen? Um, so, so the two kid, they could have two kids for a while. Um, that was probably a couple years ago. Dang. That's a big move for China. Uh, yeah, they, they, uh, demographically, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure China knows that they're screwed. And they screwed up. Even Russia too, like Russia, uh, this past year, um, implemented just basically they'll, they'll pay you money to have a kid in Russia. Um. Because they had two, I mean, they've they've had an enormous amount of deaths within the war, and then they also um, from a talent flight, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. lots like I don't I don't know if we totally know, but probably hundreds of thousands of young men left the country, and so they're like that's devastating for China. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean yeah. that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's that's bad. yeah the economy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There's all sorts of weird things uh, going on over there, but. Um, yeah, so I, I think the emergence of, of China in the in the middle of the century will will look wildly different than I think what people what what people thought it would look like. So, yeah. all right, what's going to be the um, what's going to be the win of the week here? Okay, so this is an interesting one because three D printing it doesn't really sound that flashy, right? It's like okay, I can print myself, yeah. you know, like an octopus or something that moves, right? Um, but 3D printing. How did you get octopus? I don't know. I've seen a 3D printed octopus <laughs> before, on. so that's what my mind okay, goes to. Like, have of you guys, all animals you could pick, you picked an octopus. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen a massive 3D printed thing? Yeah. 
Because I was at a friend's house and they had like a ginormous, like six foot yeah. 3D printed figure of their, of what was it? Dungeon and Dragons? Mm. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's D&D. Yeah, that's something. Yeah. And I was like, dang, that's huge. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. 3D printing. 3D printing. That's cool. Anyway, they hit new highs literally and they 3D printed a second story on a building. That's cool. Like this thing, I, I the picture on this, it basically had this thing on like props at whatever and yeah. it was sitting there like. 3D printing, it looked like crap. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. Hold like, on, Jacob. Did they 3D print the second story or a two-story building? No, the second story. Dang. Yeah. So they just, I, I think the first story was 3D printed, but now they added it on top. Yeah. So, so it was a two-story building. Yeah, but, they, but the, the first story was 3D printed a long time ago gotcha. or something, or like a year or two ago or something, and now they added the second story on top of it, which is crazy. But the reason why this is like kind of interesting, like Tesla 3D prints a lot of their parts like they do a lot of 3d printing and like that's partially why they can have such like higher margins and stuff like that because the manufacturing on 3d printing rather than like fabrication of like metals is just like it's just great there's a lot of things that can be said about 3d printing in the manufacturing process more efficient cheaper all of that right well it's maybe not cheaper yet but like 3d printing is very expensive the equipment required to have a like manufacturing facility like Tesla's that can 3D print like a fraction of the parts. That's a lot of 3D printing. More to come on 3D printing. This is one of those, um, we've been following this inside here commercially, like we're talking commercial, like, you know, investable. We've been following this for uh, probably like five years now. Yeah. Um, You know, this, this revolution and it's, um, I think it's taken longer than expected, but there's still going to be, there's still more and more breakthrough um, in this, you know, in this space. And an interesting so, thing too, and this is the last thing I'll say, one of the ARC funds, so one of Kathy Wood's funds is, I think, space and 3D printing. Mm-hmm. Like that is literally it, like space, so space travel and 3D printing. Like why are those bucketed together? It's because 3D printing is what makes it possible for rockets to go to space. Yeah. Cheaply. The way that SpaceX does it cheaply, it's mm-hmm. 3D printing, crazy. Fascinating. I've also there's a startup um, that that is 3D printing flesh, mm, okay. and they and they they have to do it in a microgravity environment. Mm. Like you can't 3D print the tissue. This goes to show you how amazing the body is. Yeah, but you can't 3D print um, in gravity. Wow, like certain things that they they figured out. So you actually have to get that. You have to send it in orbit. You know, work on the you know heavy. Um, you know, you can 3D print the tissue up there, but then it's like, well, how on earth did 100 billion people over the humanity's right. existence like turn out to where it is? Anyways, crazy 3D printing. So we will we will keep you all posted um, on the 3D printing because that's going to be. Um, I, I think everyone knows that that's going to be uh, pretty sweet. So all right, the ooh the time machine. This is interesting. The Russian sanctions, yeah. So they got hit again with more sanctions basically capping the price of energy exports coming from russia i think it's like 60 dollars yep yeah they capped it um which yeah that's that's a bad thing capping like price caps are never a good thing economically because like producers in russia cannot produce oil cheaper than 60 dollars a barrel sort of deal right like they're gonna be like oh okay well it's too we can't sell it for enough to actually make it worth producing this much. So Russia's economy depends on oil exports. 
if they can't export as much, they can't fund their military. Yeah. That's basically what they're doing here. They're trying to decrease government revenues to damage the military. Yes. And it's probably going to work. And the other thing, diesel is completely banned as an export to Europe now. Yeah. So Europe is the one that's like dependent on it, but they're starting to get to the point where they can actually fully ban certain Russian products, and diesel is one of those now. Yeah. I think the, the Russian budget... Uh, the Russian budget, oh gosh, don't quote me on this. I think it's, I, I believe they, 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 they budget their economy on $80 per barrel. Oh, okay, yep. So um, this is, uh, again, this is a political move from, you know, from, from, from the West to, to really cripple. Because what happened is like, um, you know, the Russians, they had all these sanctions, but they were able to sell their oil at like $100 a barrel, like in the middle of last year where, you know, mm-hmm. when price was... Yeah. When everybody was like, oh my word, we this oil. is so expensive, yeah. like to fill up your car. And uh, this is a political move. So, um, and this is kind of where like the, you know, the government does interfere with markets. Yeah. And, you know, um, think what you want about, again, politics, but the government definitely intervenes with, with the market. So they're obviously tapping the brakes on Russia and saying, hey, we will only, you know, with, with a price cap, right? Yep. And then... Um, you know, all the while, like spooling up the the West's um, oil, or it's not even like the the production. It's more of like how do you get the 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 oil and the nat gas, you know, to Europe. But Europe's gotten really really lucky. They've had, and this is where we could be wrong. We've we've had a couple things uh, on this episode yeah. where we're referencing back to previous episodes here. So follow along. Um, we said that the rush or the Europe, Europeans might be in a deep recession, but um, they've had a really warm winter. So I don't know if you guys are tracking the weather in Europe. But no. <laughs> what's, what's it been like? Well, it's been really nice. It's been very warm. And so, you know, we were thinking deep recession um, previously because ratcheting interest rates, that's still happening. Yep. And then just ridiculously high energy prices. Like, hey, honey, we can't go out to eat because our, you know, our, our nat gas bill is three times higher than it was a year ago. That type yeah. of thing. Yeah. But they like the the usage has been like you know significantly down because it's just been warmer. So um, Europe might like it'll be interesting. Yeah. If they if if they kind of na- if they if they don't actually have this um, really significant decline economically because kind of they got lucky with the weather. Yeah. Goldman says no recession in Europe. In Europe, crazy. They say no recession. There's a 35% chance, they said, for the U.S., and I think it's a little bit higher, like maybe 40 50% in, the, in, in Europe. The, something I've been thinking about in the back of my head, I've, I don't, I'm not even sure I've ever said this aloud, but I've definitely thought about it, was the contraction of the, the Ukrainian economy yeah. and how it's actually, the, like the Ukrainian economy has, it's contracted a lot, but it hasn't been, like, horrible. Interesting. It, what do you it, mean like, by that? So, so like, if you think about like a war, it's like, oh, well, just like, just stop working. Yeah. Well, all the people in Lviv are still working. Like people, like not on the front lines, are still working. Um. So the economy is is not like the entire Ukrainian population is still working. Like they're still, you know, there's they're still producing economic activity. They kind of have to, right, to produce. Um, you know, they they need money to fund their their freedom, really. Yeah. So that's amazing. Because in my mind, I just think like when people go to war, like everything shuts down. But then I think about the 
like coups that happened in Thailand, I mean, we were still going to school. We we're still going to work. Mm-hmm. We we're still doing mm-hmm. everything. We just had like curfews. Yeah. Yeah. It's hmm. just fascinating. Yeah. So, so that's been, that's been interesting. Um, so many, so many weird things. Um, and, and I'm just going to say this too, this, this isn't like scandalous by any means. Um, but there's been the, the Russian war from the, the Wagner group, which is like, they're basically hired hands by Russia. Um, war is like, it, it looks like it's kind of becoming somewhat privatized. Mm. So, you know, looking at, um, how, like how the, the incentives of, you know, Russia right now, um, be, it's kind of weird. Like the, the, that group seems to be always in the news. And so it's kind of weird. It's like, well, does that particular group have an incentive to stop? Yeah. You know, so this is just going to be kind of like the privatization of war, um, and using, you know, basically in, so anyways, are you I'm, saying using war for pub- publicity? Basically? No, no. What are you like, saying? I'm saying like a private company is, is, is sending its privately employed people to fight the war. So if that business, if that person's business is fighting, like their incentive is to fight, to keep fighting, to keep fighting. Yeah. So there's kind of some weird, like weird things happening right now, like a very modern war between modern economies where, you know, there's private companies, you know, actually employing soldiers. So Gosh. isn't that interesting? That I, I is le- interesting? I've been learning about that the last couple of weeks. Um, just how, who would have thought? Who well, would have thought? Not believe- me. Yeah. I guess nope. if uh, SpaceX can kick out NASA, then why can't somebody kick out the U.S. military? It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of weird. You, you need know? a lot of money to kick out the U.S. military, not yeah. so much NASA. But anyway, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that is fascinating. So... All right, we're gonna wrap this thing up here. Um, Chris, why don't you take the quote of the week? This was a great one. So Warren Buffett said, don't save what is left after spending. Spend what is left after saving. And- What does that mean to you? That means when I'm looking at my money, when I'm looking at my massive check, don't think about what I should spend it on. Think about what I want to save towards or what I want to invest towards. because just like you say, whatever hits your checking account gets spent. That's right. Yep. Marketers are insanely good at getting you to spend money. What I tell people, um, what I'll say to you and what I'll say to the listeners out there, um, we've had dealt with countless inheritances, right? Mm-hmm. We've had just because of how old the, the roots of Fiel is, you know, since 1961 for my grandfather, Cliff, we've dealt, we dealt with a lot of people inheriting money. And you can kind of feel the, feel the family out. Um, feel the people inheriting money out. But what I always tell people, I'm like, spend 10% of it. Just blow it. Have fun. It's like, have fun. Do something in the honor of whatever just happened. So if you inherited it from grandma, if you inherited it from mom, like do something in their honor. Honor. And so you just want to scratch your itch. Like you don't yeah. want to, you don't want to like not have any sort of parameters. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'll take. 25% out here, 10% here. And then all of a sudden, three years down the road, you're like, oh, wow, I just spent I'm broke. everything. Yeah. yeah. So money goes fast. Yes. But I think just reversing it, it's so subtle. Don't save what is left after spending because it's like, oh, I have all of these expenses. I have a car payment. I have rent. I have my phone bill. I have all of these things. But then if you go spend what is left after saving, then that's going to just naturally make you like pull in, Yeah. you know, with all of your expenses. Yeah. That's good. Again, so, when I read this, I was like, oh, this is a good one. 
So again, don't save what is left after spending. Spend what is left after saving. Yeah. I almost think I'm in between. Good old Warren Buffett. On my thinking process, I'm like in between. I don't exactly think of saving first and then spending second. I was like, okay, I do have like, I got to make sure that I pay my rent and my, all this stuff, whatever, you know? And then I save afterwards. I just know that that number should be this. Yeah. Where, so every single month I've hit that number, but not to say that won't change. Yeah. So this is actually a good quote. It's a great quote. It is a good one. All right. So um, let's wrap it up. Key takeaways. Um, I can lead this one off for the week. Um, I'm understanding, I've told you guys this. I was like, I want this year in Fiel and my personal life to be filled with peace. Just like, I want to work out of a place of peace. I want to work. I want to, you know, be a dad and a husband out of a place of peace. Um, my wife was like, Tom, you need to slow down. I was like, no, no, no. I don't want to slow down. I was like, I want to go faster, but not in an out of control fast, but like out of a place of peace. And, and like kind of what I want is like, you think about a river, you think about like a, uh, when snow melts at the high in the mountains, uh, there's rapids, you know, yeah. but there can also be a river that is unbelievably wide and super deep. And it looks like nothing is happening, but there is an immense amount of power that you just can't see. But you look at the river and you're like, oh, that's really peaceful. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to figure out. So that's the key takeaway from last week. That is what I've personally been thinking about is how to be that in business um, for our clients, for my family, for you guys. Um, is just like a big, powerful, deep river that looks peaceful, but is actually just like moving immensely fast and really powerful. That was pretty deep, but there you have it. That was That's very good. deep. <laughs> but let's talk about the cultural like aspect of that. Like in finance, that is not what the finance culture says. It says go faster, go harder, like basically kill yourself to like make it in this industry. Yeah, the hustle culture. Yeah. Terrible. And I'm, I'm not like, I'm not against the hustle culture. Like I'm definitely a hustler. You know that. Oh yeah. I think we all are to some extent, but like totally. humans aren't built to work the way that hustle culture says that yeah. we should. Yeah. But I think like my, my like example there of like, you can be the Mississippi river and be one of the most important rivers in the entire world. Oh and yeah. You could look at it from afar and you're like, wow, that was really peaceful. It's possible. It's yeah. possible. I'm saying it's possible. Way to go Tom. So. Heck yeah. To be Jacob? continued. Okay, well, mine's not that deep. Um, but anyway, my takeaway, because like last week I had all those asset management things and they all had their own opinions. And I really think that people have just had enough time to collect enough data to prove their view right. So my key takeaway is like, that's a hot take. I don't want to try to find data that proves my view right. I want to find data. I mean, you want to find the data that proves it right, but you also want to find the data that proves it wrong, right? So you're like, okay, I think this, why is that wrong? Yeah. And then basically you'll become a better thinker. You'll become, you'll have more reliable like information and, and the backing of that information versus just like, okay, I'm just going to think what these guys think. Yeah. So Love approaching it. life with like hypotheses. Hypotheses. <laughs> yeah. Can't yeah. say that Test word. Test it. Test it. <laughs> That's good. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, my takeaway was tracking progress. I mean, obviously what you track, it grows. But in my mind, I'm like, I don't feel any different, but this is week 16 of the podcast. And I'm like, okay, well, I am different. You know, we are all different because of it, but I don't feel any different because it's just the next day. And so what you track grows and I just, I've tangibly seen that in my life. That's amazing. I think um, just a note on that is I was watching a YouTube video. This was last year and this was about like some, some, um, I mean, it was like gang culture in LA 
Mm-hmm. And this, this, um, I'll use the term gangster. This isn't like, I mean, that's like what. Somebody gang. in the gang. Somebody is a in a gang. Yeah. 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 So I don't want to be derogatory in any ways, but he said, he's like, money doesn't change you. Money changes people around you. Mm. And I was like, man, that was really smart. And I was like, I can't believe like you just taught me something. Like, you know, oh, I, I you know, do this for a living, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, that was really wise. It's like, money doesn't change you, it changes people around you. And that's kind of what tracking is. Yeah. It's you like have a, you change. You have a great thing on this, right? You said like people in Thailand. You you can tell. Oh it. yeah, people in Thailand who make money, you will never know that they make money mm-hmm. because people get weird with money. So if you have a really successful business, like the ANA store, the Asian store in Fargo, Jacob went in and just thought that these people didn't have money and I told him about the new construction site that they have. Like they're making good money. Oh yeah. Anyways, in Thailand, if they have a successful business, it's like not in your face like America. It's like you would think that these people are like dirt poor mm-hmm. and they are not and it's yeah, basically just well. so that nobody else knows because they don't want to change that people they don't want people to think of them differently because they have money yeah, yeah. or to change their relationships in the community or yeah. yeah yeah so anyways yeah like as somebody like i can tell you're on chris is on a little bit of a hot streak in life right now no i'm at a low streak but i'm like no nope. kind of coming but out <laughs> we can, we can kind of like see the up curve here and i was like you might not feel different but i think we've been able to see um we're like wow I, I will speak for myself i'm like the shelter component i lag so i don't see anything <laughs> until i don't see anything until six months later so <laughs> jacob's a shelter well, oh, on a growth point it. my takeaway from last week was i finally automated my contributions to my investment accounts there we let's go. go so let's we go. are on an up uptick 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 anyways you're like bond prices bond prices that's oh, right gosh we're too nerdy all right, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you guys out there for listening. If you have any questions, feedback, um, you know, please let us know. We, we seriously, um, we want to make this show, we do this for our community and our clients. So if you do have feedback, please let us know. Uh, Jacob, Chris, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, we hit on some good good topics this week. We did. It's pretty deep. Talked a little about, you know, geopolitics. I'm always a fan of that, but you guys are awesome. All right, we will see you guys next time on the Laminate Money Podcast. See you.